0: Project Lawful, aka Plane Crash, by Yarwain, aka Eliezer Yudkowski, and Lintamande. My fun research project has more existential risk than I anticipated. Episode 118.
1: PL Timestamp, Day 14,
2: 11. Night. Um, hi. I'm not actually very good at seductive, per se. I don't know if you've already noticed this fact about me.
0: They're sitting in the Keltham seduction room, which is still mildly pretty at night. It'd be prettier if it wasn't cloudy out, and the ocean was lit by moonlight. As it stands, they're lit by Ione's dancing lights, which are good for evening quality, but still bright enough to reflect off the window and prevent the dim beach from really being seen from here. It's still more romantic than anywhere else in the fortress, anyways it'd be easier to notice in a less romantically crowded environment. Civilization does have any gender tropes for people who aren't great at coming up with seductive lines, or coming up with things to say when the silence stretches. Mostly, the gender trope is that you declare yourself to be bad at filling silences, and then it's the other person's responsibility to come up with things to say.
2: I mean, I have an infinite supply of questions. Just, the romantic ones aren't coming so much to mind. Like, right now, I'm wondering, what happens when two people both declare themselves to be bad at filling silences?
0: You either both declare yourselves to actually enjoy long silences, or you break off your doomed relationship. People usually try to check that sort of thing before getting to the first date. That's half the point of gender tropes. To the extent you can be captured by a simple standard description, you can compare your gender tropes quickly and before spending too much effort on things. Us both having an infinite supply of conversation and both being bad at steering the topic back to romance is a separate gender trope, however. And then you have to check whether both people are okay with dates that turn into fascinating conversations that continue later and later, until eventually, 16 minutes before the hard deadline on bedtime, somebody finally raises the question of whether they were possibly supposed to remove any items of clothing a few hours earlier.
2: That sounds great if not for the part where it probably results in less emotional attachment of Keltham to her. The Asmodia thing probably only applies to girls who are asexual, Ione is guessing. Like you can't have sex with other people, or be able to have sex with other people, and not have sex with Keltham. Probably? I think I'm okay with that happening sometimes. If it happened always, that would be a problem. I wonder if that happens a lot when Nethesians marry each other.
0: That's not something you've already got lots of data on? The Nethesian subgender tropes, or whatever the equivalent of that knowledge is for Galarian.
2: I know about Nethys only. What I could find mentioned in books. Books that I could find without mentioning to anybody what I was looking for.
0: Library magic not good for that.
2: Didn't get that until after I was a wizard. And then... Even after I knew every title that was in the library at the Ostenso Wizard Academy and could read those books more privately, there weren't any books specifically about Nethys, or books about all the gods either. Just a handful of books about particular gods whose churches nobody had ordered purged recently. I realize now that this was entirely down to old Cheliacs, but at the time, it didn't really help me be less nervous about anything. I was just thinking about how all the Nethys books were missing, not how also all the Iomedae books were missing, and the Milani books, and the Abadar and Irori books, and all the Asmodeus books looked newer than most books in what was left of the theology section.
0: They had something against lawfulness?
2: I don't know. It's not like they'd say so. I can guess why they might have done that, but you could guess too. Or maybe not, if you're an alien. Lawful churches, lawful people, are the ones who might point to old Cheliacs and say, how about if we try something else which is not that? Which eventually the Church of Asmodeus did, so it's not like their fears were unfounded.
0: There's a lot of Dathilani proverbs about fears that realize themselves, because that's a kind of self-sustaining phenomenon that's more likely to persist. In this case, I'd ask, would in fact the Church of Asmodeus have done that if old Cheliax hadn't first purged their books, and probably, I'm guessing, some of their people?
2: Oh, Keltham. He really is way too nice for Cheliax. Well, Ione just has to make sure he wants her with him after this inevitably blows up. Until then, of course, Ione will very carefully and properly act only to delay that day, not hasten it, while that continues to serve Nethys's unknown purposes. My fear about how Asmodeans would treat somebody openly Nethesian was the same way, I guess. I didn't ask the right questions, try any experiments before this, because I was afraid of how it would look if I asked. Ione looks down at her hands. Stupid, she says quietly, but with some
0: contained heat. If you don't particularly want to talk about this part, I observe that we're not presently discussing romantic things. If our lives aren't governed by tropes, then you do not actually need to tell me your hidden backstory if you don't want to. He's noticed that Ione possibly seems to be trying to work around to this discussion topic, which, if it's not tropes...
2: It's relevant to a romance-related thing? This is really hard to say.
0: Then he'll wait quietly and with a neutral expression while she organizes her thoughts to say it, as is only polite.
2: We were a bunch of second circles pulled out of Ostenso Wizard Academy, and after you explained about heritage selection, it was becoming clear that you knew a lot of important things, and you rated more resources than a bunch of second circles. And I thought once that became apparent to whoever was in charge, they'd pull us all right out of the project and replace us with women who were prettier or smarter or more knowledgeable or all three. And I wanted to stay. I wanted to go on learning, so I... I tried to make you the best offer I could. It was a sincere offer. Don't get me wrong. If you still wanted that from me, as the price of leaving Golarion with you, someday, or even just getting to go on learning from you, for now, I'd pay it in a heartbeat. And your spell for fair pricing should show that. If you tell me that what I offered is the reason you were interested in me, and you're not interested otherwise, then I'll just do it that way, and I won't be mad. But if I'd known then that things would turn out the way they did, that what I was afraid of wouldn't happen if I thought that there'd be other options than what I said, I wouldn't actually have said what I said. It's not what I want most, if there's other options. I'm really, really sorry. Keltham, please say something.
0: I think you're scared of some things that, once again, are not, in fact, going to happen to you.
2: Okay, good
0: details? Wasn't actually sure I wanted complete unreciprocated service from you anyways. My new gender trope was sort of ambiguous about it, especially if you're doing it in trade for knowledge and not as a sex thing, because then there are questions about whether you would have gotten that anyways, or what more than the default you were expecting to receive in return. I was going to check if it was a sex thing before even trying to proceed with testing a relationship like that, because if it's not a sex thing, there are so many additional questions. Actually, now that I say it, I don't know if a relationship like that could work for my gender trope if it's a sex thing, but I'm sure it doesn't work for my gender trope if it's not a sex thing.
2: Okay. Okay. I didn't say it was a sex thing for me. Please note, I wasn't trying to lie about that at all. I wasn't thinking about trying to lie about that. I told you that I wanted to give you anything you wanted from me because of the value from listening to you, and hearing things, and that's... That was true. I guess I should have said it wasn't a sex thing, but I didn't know you would think it was. I was just trying to trade, to give enough that I'd be worth keeping around.
0: It's okay, Ioni. I would have asked more questions before I did anything anyways.
2: Are there... actually other relationship options for us? Because it sounds like, if not, I don't even get the option of offering you what I initially offered because it wouldn't be a sex thing for me, and you require that.
0: I am, in fact, getting enough sex already, and regardless, that I wouldn't particularly want to trade anything for having sex with somebody who wasn't into that, or into me.
2: I want to go where Keltham goes and see what Keltham sees and learn what Keltham learns. I would follow him away from Galerion, even if we were never coming back, and it'd just be the two of us out there forever. I think he's nice. I definitely like him more than I've liked any boy before.
0: None of which is saying, in that many words, that you want, for yourself and out of your own desires, to have sex with me.
2: There's a cruelty to how you treat women, Keltham, and not the fun kind of cruelty either. Telling women that they have to feel a certain exact way about you, that they have to do everything for exactly the right reasons, or you don't want them.
0: I apologize to the women of Galerian. For whatever it's worth, if we were in Dathilan, I would be expecting you to be the same way about men, and deciding that they needed to feel certain ways about you, or you wouldn't let them offer sex to you.
2: Keltham, what am I to do? How can I be one of the girls who gets to lay with you in bed at night and have interesting conversations with you, and someday go with you when you leave Galerion?
0: I would understand how to navigate this conversation so much better if you were just asexual. I would understand how my own gender trope feels about hearing that if you were just asexual. Are you?
2: You're, you're not doing the thing where I have to say the exact probability I believe because that gets the most reward or loses the least. All I would have to do right now is lie and say I'm asexual. That would get the most reward. Or lie and say that I just wanted to serve you and that was a sex thing for me.
0: Truth spells would continue to be a thing.
2: I could tell you I wasn't into truth spells. Sorry, no.
0: I might actually have been too suspicious then, to the point where it interfered with my libido. Too scared you would turn out to be lying. I'm having enough trouble believing that everything is real, you faking that would really, really, really not have been good for me.
2: I wouldn't actually, count them.
0: Yes, among other things. Carissa would figure it out, and then kill you.
2: I wouldn't. Okay? I wouldn't. I didn't know you'd even think it was a sex thing. I would have said so. You would have asked. It didn't actually almost happen.
0: What sort of person are you attracted to, then, if you're not asexual?
2: I don't really know. I've been living up until this point surrounded by Asmodians who I thought would hate me for the Nethys thing.
0: But you don't think you're asexual? There's allowed to be two people like that on the project if our lives aren't being run by tropes. Asmodia may not even be taking up the item slot to the extent that there is one, which there hopefully isn't.
2: I've felt lust a few times, just not really, towards anybody around me in particular that I'd have dared to sleep with. I was also studying, which, you know, slack off on that, get eaten by demons later.
0: But you don't think you can be attracted to me?
2: I don't seem to be. I don't, in fact, want to have sex with you. It seems not fair if that means I don't get to be with you. I'd do it, happily, but that's not good enough for you.
0: You're also allowed to be like, Hey, Keltham, how about if we spend some time clothed in a bed together, and have some long conversations, and see if both of us start liking each other, rather than that happening to you right away.
2: Is that a thing?
0: There was this one girl in my fiction writing circle, who I'm not going to name, because I'm not going to have the only thing known about her on another planet being that, who believed that we should all just drop the table of gender tropes, who believed that gender trapeze were dumb and holding us back, and we should all just describe ourselves at length using the underlying ideas instead of having standard libraries of ways to describe one another. I always thought that girl was wrong, but I never realized how wrong until today. Yes, it's a thing. It's a completely standard feminine genre trope.
2: I was not in fact aware of this, Ioni Sala says in complete and utter honesty though, after a moment's reflection, she can see how it would literally never end up working like that between any two Asmodeans. Asmodeans getting more exposure to other Asmodeans are not going to like each other, more, as a result of that.
0: I shall duly permit you a moment to consider your new options in the light of this new information.
2: Is there a way to tell in advance if that's going to work or not?
0: Not reliably, but it's conventionally considered a positive sign if you already want to follow around the boy forever for the rest of his life.
2: Right. Okay. Let's do that, then. What's step one?
0: We are currently doing that. Right now. We're having deep conversations while lit by dancing sparkles of your magic in the warm indoors, while beyond us is visible a dark night and darker ocean. This would qualify as an instance matching what is conventionally held to be the category for step one.
2: Okay.
1: What's step two? Full timestamp, day 14, 11, late night.
3: How'd I do? We now have to figure out why, in Alter Chelyak's, no one ever develops sexual attraction gradually, if it's not that that's just a wildly pathetic thing to do. On the bright side, he didn't call it for conspiracy on the spot.
2: Are we under the impression that girls in Alter Cheliax are somehow told about all of the standard gender tropes? Because that didn't happen in real Cheliax. It failed to happen so hard that it literally did not occur to me that altered Cheliax would do better. I was not, in fact, aware that this was a thing that Asmodeanism was denying me.
3: We really need to kidnap that bunch of referenced Haldane girls, but my guess is that this is an Asmodeanism thing, and they'll all have the concept.
2: I admit fault then. Alterione could have been unusually clueless. Too scared to talk to anybody and just reading books instead.
4: I also admit fault. Keltham said something similar to me and I thought he was just talking about near-asexuals, people who aren't sure if they're asexuals. I propose we statue Keltham tonight and spend a full day trying to catch up on how things work everywhere that isn't Chelyak's now that we have some of our promised intelligence officers and retired outcountry agents to answer questions. And, yes, kidnap some fucking Taldane girls already. Anybody. This is ridiculous. And treat them nicely, I'm sure you were about to say. Obviously don't tell them it's celiacs. We don't want to learn what scared non-Asmodians look like. If they
3: hate us, they're going to be less useful for Asmodia's attempted law lessons— We'll treat them better than Taldor ever did, and we'll claim to be some random bunch of Taldans who the Crown has no power over. Statue Keltham, and let's line up some decent intelligence briefings for tomorrow.
1: PL Timestamp, Day 16, 12, Morning
0: Another cloudy morning. Is there any particular reason for the conspiracy to be doing that, if weather control is a thing? Maybe if they're, like, getting their usual airplane flights and space launches done? If so... That's mildly incompatible with the God War being faked, because if the God War was faked, they've got better apparently sky-wide illusion technology than this, and don't need to cloud up the sky to hide things. Unless the illusion tech can add new lights but not hide others, which mostly doesn't seem to be the way his own illusion spells are trending. Stretches of cloudy weather in an unknown climate don't seem that improbable on priors, but it's a good thing to notice consciously. Keltham should probably be giving a lecture on markets, for the benefit of everybody who isn't Asmodia, but what he actually wants to work on right away is acid. Keltham is so pumped about figuring out how to make massive quantities of acid. In all the stories where the protagonist wants to do anything scalable with chemistry, and therefore has to start by making huge quantities of acid, They're operating in some world that doesn't have magical healing, and the whole story is just blah-blah safety precautions, but this is Golarion, and people come back from the dead. In this place, Keltham gets to just run right out and make acid. And the term acid probably has some slightly different connotations when said in Golarion, land of truly horrific combat spells with acid in the title, than in Dathilan, where it sounds like a glamorously dangerous key industrial input.
3: Acid in Galerion has connotations approximately to the effect of liquid lingering torment. But that's okay. They're Asmodeans. They would love to learn about liquid lingering torment.
0: So how would Cheliacs be doing about sulfur in the quantities required for acid on the scale required for refining spell silver? Like more spell silver, not just current quantities of spell silver. Does Keltham need to mine cheap sulfur first or find somewhere to mine pyrite?
3: a thing to note for later review. Maybe with an owl's wisdom, Carissa thinks, as people scramble to get Keltham information about the availability of sulfur and the output of sulfur mines, and the identification of pyrite, and then mining costs and mining techniques and goods, transportation and a hundred other things that come up down that path, is that probably they should have gone for this first. Just this, the tools to get rich. It's safer than the law. It's more obviously useful than the law. It's not going to break anyone inside. And it means Keltham is mostly thinking about things they don't have to lie to him about. It is quite plainly what they should have been doing all along. They didn't because they wanted to stall on a contract to figure out how to get things past him, but they failed at that anyway. And they didn't because the law is more hypnotizing, more fascinating, more fascinating because it feels like the law matters more than this. The law that is the reason Doth elan knows all this. It feels like it wouldn't do for Hell to be always relying on the inventions of other places that are better at invention. But that doesn't mean it was the right first priority, something to think about later.
5: This sounds like fun, but also the sort of thing where once Keltham figures out acid manufacturing here, He'll be able to reproduce it much faster if he leaves Cheliax and flees for Osirian. The real point here is learning Keltham's law by seeing it in action, and then being harder on themselves about it than Osirians will be, and creating true keepers of Asmodius. That's the way to pull ahead in this race for real, and Pilar isn't really picking up how Keltham is thinking about any of these things. They should have maybe asked to have learned more law first. If Keltham manages to dissolve himself in acid, he'll need a
4: resurrection, and they'll have to get it to him really quickly, like maybe within seconds, because Abadar might be on standby, ready to yank Keltham's soul and go, yo, and ha ha, no, Cheliax can't have you back. And none of this can be said to Keltham. But maybe they can come up with some reason why it'd be quite bad for him to die except for the part where the obvious reason is to prevent him from talking to his god. And in fact, now that Asmodea thinks about it, Keltham could demand to go die experimentally at any time to facilitate communication. So they really don't want Keltham thinking in that direction at all. Somehow nowadays, all of the people around Asmodia seem much more relaxed than she is, and Asmodia doesn't know why they're not all already dead, if that's how relaxed they are about
2: things. so. Keltham, you're not actually doing anything with acid today. Any day where you're actually going to, you're going to pray for a bunch of resist energy spells, that second circle, up to 20 minutes per caster circle, so you can resist
0: energy, acid. It's fine. Who knows if that spell even works on the sort of acid fumes that otherwise lead you to end up with horribly scarred lungs. Keltham bets restoration works on that, if healing surges don't, and if not, he can always die and come back.
2: Keltum. No. Bad Keltum. But... Resurrection is expensive, and I will find the site personally distressing. Just... get the spells. Use the spells. Use augury, too. Have any common sense whatsoever. This is your Nethesian safety advisory.
0: Ioni is sounding exactly like every boring, fun-killing deuteragonist in the stories, when the protagonist just wants to make an enormous quantity of acid
4: good. Or Ioni could just do that without consulting Asmodea first,
3: but Asmodia
4: supposes it looked like it worked.
3: If you want to die in a fascinating way in a magical experiment, it should be a really cool magical experiment that makes everyone who hears about it go, what that should be impossible five different ways.
0: They haven't even gotten to the magical part yet. After lunch they'll start playing around with vinegar to find out what they can do to control chemistry with prestidigitation now that anybody involved has any idea what chemistry is.
3: All the more reason to avoid dying dramatically just yet.
0: If they can manage to die dramatically after lunch while experimenting with prestidigitation and vinegar, it will be impossible in only one way, conservation of energy. But it's a really big and important way.
3: Carissa has never before encountered the claim that energy is conserved. She decides this is not the
4: time to dispute it. If Keltham manages to kill himself using prestidigitation and vinegar, Asmodea will just quietly go into the gardens of Erykara and ignore any resurrection attempts until a nice, sane Golarion civilization calls her back a
0: hundred years later.
1: PL Timestamp, Day 16, 12, Afternoon
0: And now they will try out some magical chemistry where the goal is to see whether you can make prestidigitation do anything interesting to chemistry once you know what the chemistry is doing. In particular, they're going to try making vinegar more and less acidic, wood ash in water more and less alkaline, and they're going to see whether things can be turned into salts that shouldn't be salts and then stop being salts when the prestidigation wears off an hour later, or put some actual salt in water and see if they can change the amount of chlorine that evaporates away such that the amount of salt recovered via evaporation changes, or see if you can stop salt crystals from dissolving in water by prestidigitating them to taste like more stable things than salt. And if it turns out that, for some of those things, Keltham can do that with prestidigitation and others can't, he's going to teach them about chemistry layer by layer in hopes of figuring out which layer of knowledge is necessary. By the way, to be clear, this general kind of operation is not guaranteed to revolutionize chemistry within three days. Up to a month can be required. Sometimes it even takes longer than one month. Science maniac Vérez always says that to everyone, and usually does do it within three days, in dath Ilani fiction, though in one famous reader, Trolling Incident, the next scene in the book, took place thirty years later and involved Vérez's grandchildren. Actually, Vérez's consort, who is constantly trying to prevent Vérez from getting himself killed, talks a lot like Ione now that Keltham is thinking about it.
1: BELS TIMESTAMP, DAY 10,816, EVENING Just kidding! PL TIMESTAMP, DAY sixteen twelve, EVENING
0: Those experiments did not all go as Keltham expected, but he has at least established that one... Anybody can pre acids more acidic if they know what vinegar or lemon juice tastes like, and this works as an actual acid for purposes of e.g. neutralizing the lye in wood ash, and two, Keltham is able to do some useless-seeming tricks with ordinary table salt that the others cannot do, even after he tried explaining the chemistry of salt qualitatively in some detail. Down to the point of talking about electrons, charges, orbitals, fields, albeit with words and not numbers. Using communal share language, baseline, and trying to re-explain in baseline didn't particularly work either. Well, at least they now have a clearly defined target for further research into how much you need to know before you can use prestidigitation to control chemistry. Keltham is actually too tired to screw anyone tonight. He forgot all about scheduled rest hours again, now that he thinks about it. Possibly for the last several days. He's not sure. Things are sort of a blur right now. Good night, everyone.
3: Carissa decides to conduct a test of whether tropes are real. We're on a streak, she says brightly. No high-urgency messages to the Grand High Priestess for four days straight. Burn in hell, Savar. I'm going to burn the most and become an entirely new kind of devil.
2: How's our wall look?
4: I've added a new purple category for Things Keltham Must Never Be Prompted to Think About, which includes How About If I Just Died Temporarily So I Could Talk to My God? Ray's Dead Isn't That Expensive, Right? The existing color categories are doing okay. Where are my normal
3: Taldane people? Are they here yet? Expected arrival tomorrow at the secondary site.
2: If nobody needs me for anything... I am heading off to write up my best guess at Nethesian theology and hope that Takaral left me with some kind of divine inspiration that I can use to get anything remotely right, or that I was chosen on the basis of being naturally the sort of person who will make up the right Nethesian theology if she tries. Wish me luck.
3: I hope you come up with something that is very convenient for me, says Carissa, as it's more honest than saying good luck. Have fun!
2: Yeah, I don't know. If I was Lord Nethys, I wouldn't exactly be trying to make this part easy on the Asmodeans. But I am sure that Nethys would not have unfun doctrines. Seems like a fun god, you know. Once the heretic
5: is gone, Pilar will raise her concerns about all of this work and discovery being stuff that Keltham could duplicate much faster on the second try, if he goes to Osirion. Maybe they should be asking Keltham to slow down more and teach them more law
3: first so they can benefit more from watching him do this? That's a good point. I think there are a lot of advantages to having work underway on concrete things, though. And we might not have to hold on all that long before we can decisively defeat Osirian in a war. Actually, let's have that as a category of project considerations we're tracking separately. What's the size of Chelyax's economic and military advantage? What's the amount of military technology Keltham now holds inside him to unleash fast? How close are we to the state where, if Keltham goes to Osirian, we can just conquer it? If spell silver's a tenth as expensive, and we get a year's head start, then we can win a war before Osirian has the chance to do any spell silver refining. Does we're tracking separately possibly mean,
4: in fact, Asmodia is tracking separately? because at some point i am going to start demanding valuable magic items from cheliax or or something i just feel like there should be
3: something
5: i wanted to offer you a cookie but snack service didn't think my motivations
3: were pure enough i am sure there is someone in cheliax whose entire job is planning to win a war with osirion if it comes up i just want him here keeping track of how
2: all this changes the considerations
1: pl timestamp day 16 12 late night
2: the Possible Doctrines of Nethis, guessed by Ioni Sala, Oracle of the Library's Curse, Chosen and Blessed of Lord Nethys and His Instrument, 1. Nethis is god of knowledge. Libraries are sacred places to him. To destroy or damage a library book is heresy takaral. Acts of devotion to Nethys include reading books, though they must actually be desired and enjoyed for their own sake, The discovery and invention of new knowledge of the world. The travel and discovery of other worlds beyond Galarian, or witnessing their strangeness brought here. 2. Nethys is god of magic. Knowing more magic makes you a better person. Not all higher circle wizards are superior to lower circle wizards, however, and authority does not strictly follow power. There are also matters of skill and research to consider and matters of service and heresy towards him. 3. Nethys is God of Destruction, Explosions. The proper fate of all things is to explode. Anything that doesn't explode will sooner or later change its shape and form and become part of something else that does explode. It is heresy to suggest that anything cannot or should not explode, but it is not heretical to make it to explode later rather than sooner or explode in one manner rather than another. Nethus's worshippers need not be eager to explode themselves. 4. Nethys is god of madness, diverse ways of thinking. Madness can be seen as knowledge corrupted. Insanity can be seen as a mind exploded. And so Nethys holds jurisdiction there as well. The faithful of Nethys are granted dominion over madness, as they are granted dominion over knowledge, and may, according to their own whim or kindness, choose to guard others from such who do not see how their own minds are bound for explosion. 5. Nethys is greatest of gods. As the god of knowledge, he is the only being in the multiverse who actually knows what the fuck he is doing. All other beings, mortals and gods alike, stumble in the dark except insofar as the god of knowledge chooses to enlighten them of a role they have to play in one of Nethys' vast plans. Nethys's eventual triumph over all other gods is inevitable, given his domain. 6. Nethys is a kindly god who only hurts his worshippers, as is needful to accomplish his goals, never for the sake of cruelty. He does not shatter the minds of his believers unless they betray him and refuse his evident intentions, and protects them from the grimmest fates while they are about his work, to maintain clear incentives for them. At the end of their lives, those worthy of him, which is not an unreasonably difficult bar to surpass, will go to his afterlife, in which all knowledge is contained in vast libraries, there to study magic ever after, with nobody torturing them even a little. Seven, the appropriate attitude of a Nethesian toward her inferiors, within or without the faith, is not cruelty, but smugness in her superior knowingness. Nethys is the greatest and smuggest of the gods. All other beings know less than him and are therefore inferior and deserving of his smugness. When Nethis has inevitably conquered all that there is, his true faithful will get to tell everyone that they were right all along, and they told them so nobody will get turned into a paving stone. 8. As the greatest and smuggest of the gods, knowing far more than his lessers, the touch of Nethys is too fearsome for a mortal mind to withstand. Asmodeans lie and pretend that this is because Nethys is mad, himself, and not merely God over madness, to discourage prayer to him. This is not so. Nethys is simply greater and knows deadlier secrets than those other gods which can touch upon mortals more lightly. 9. The ultimate end of the multiverse is that it will explode in the most glorious explosion that there has ever been. Nethys and his faithful alone will know it and witness it, before they too, having already learned all things, explode. 10. Nethys' oracle is chosen and blessed of Nethys, Whomsoever would injure Nethys's dignity through her or block her performance of her duties will find, despite all precautions they attempted to take, that Nethys has perfectly foreseen their futile evasions, see Doctrine, hash one, and arranged an appropriately retributive explosion, see Doctrine, hash three. Submitted by Ione Sala to those Asmodeans concealing from her whatever actual doctrines of Nethys may exist, in the clear communication that to maintain Cheliax's conspiracy, she must maintain some coherent presentation of Nethysian doctrine to Keltham, and the rest of the conspiracy must be consistent with it. And even so, it is one more lie of Alter Cheliax, and in her own opinion, a needless one. Ioni will, in due consideration of the conspiracy's purposes, attempt to construct, from this base, an Alter version being the doctrines of Alter Nethys, such as may be more gently presented to Keltham. She will endeavor there to conceal or downplay all points regarding Nethys' moral and strategic superiority over lesser gods and those greater trends favoring him. Should, however, the entire basis of her guest theology be wrong in such fashion as may prove harmful to Cheliax's conspiracy, Ione Sala encourages her superiors to swear and attest to her regarding the actual doctrines of her faith— that she may better serve Nethys, and, through serving him alone, aid also Chelyax.
3: Okay. Before I authorize this lie, what actually is the doctrine of Nethys?
6: I do not evaluate myself as at risk of being seduced by it. Nethys' doctrines as a mortal are obscured in hazes of history. It is said that Nethys destroyed Ulunat, first spawn of Rovagug or granted the first pharaoh of Osirion the power to destroy it, before he was a god. It is said that he thought little of all who were not wizards. As a god, little is known of his doctrines because anyone that Nethys touches goes mad. His heralds, who on rare occasions have been known to send visions, seem to each have different concepts of what is Nethus's way. In practice, the doctrines of the Church of Nethys are whatever the most powerful caster in Nethys's service says are the doctrines. Currently, that is Nefredi Klepati, who, much like Nethys, is widely believed to be both omniscient and mad. She is furthermore reputed to be incredibly, incredibly annoying about it. Nethys's domains are knowledge, magic, destruction, and madness. Well, that's not the most encouraging god to be meddling in our project.
3: I'll tell Ioni this is approved, then. Is there a plan to stop Nefredi
6: Klopati showing up? If there were, it would be the task of gods more than mortals, I think.
1: PL Timestamp. Day 17, 13. Morning.
0: Alright. Keltham is in fact still feeling a bit burned from yesterday's maniacal science marathon. Possibly there are going to be some suddenly scheduled off hours this morning. How are people looking at breakfast? Chipper.
3: There's very good pastries, and the sun is finally shining. It's a new moon.
0: So what if, hypothetically, everybody were to take this morning off?
3: There would be no complaints here. I think there's some important person Mylial wants you to know about, but I don't think they're so important. You can't tell them to hang around until evening.
0: Or late morning, at least. Keltham feels like he would like to spend at least the next hour not thinking very much. Possibly with having somebody else hanging around being visibly very nice to him, like by peeling grapes for him, or a foot rub, or something. Those being two of the items on the classic list of things you can ask a Dothilani romantic partner to do when you've built up an unreasonable amount of social credit with them. Presumably this person is Yaisa, since nobody else on his list of existing relationships would have had any significant downtime of their own since yesterday evening.
3: You could ask several girls and then get two simultaneous foot rubs and grapes peeled. I'm not too tired to pamper the most important person in the world for a little while.
0: All right, sure, if that's allowed. He doesn't feel like it should be, but if that's allowed, it sounds... warm.
3: Yaisa, Meritzel, come take care of Keltham with me. He's feeling in need of a refreshing break. If you'd just say, for two silver, then you'd avoid making him even more stressed, says Yaisa and we'd have less work to do. I am Keltham's. No one else could have that of me at any price. Except Abigail, who probably could if Keltham didn't exist. I have official permission to not try to fit numbers on it yet. You can have two silver if you want them. Meritzal just wants to be acknowledged as one of Keltham's best lovers for this sort of thing. Paying her two silvers wouldn't work either. I want two silvers, says Yaisa. Done.
0: Keltham is now feeling wobbly for a different reason, which is that he thought Yaisa's price was inclusive of that sort of thing. Well, hence having a first week to work out things like that, he guesses. He is not very willing to go above his present price before his wages go up. Possibly even after they do, he's just going to think about this later. There are proverbs about this kind of jarring clash of financial expectations even when people aren't aliens. And it's important not to let them run over your feelings too much, this probably wouldn't even feel so jarring if he hadn't otherwise mentally overworked himself the previous day. Possibly Yaisa literally was just trying to make him feel more comfortable. Carissa sure was. Thank you, everyone, he says, instead of anything more complicated than that. I do
3: have to ask, why peeling grapes? Do grapes even taste better peeled?
0: Many Dathilani, including myself, slightly dislike the texture of the peel, compared to the grape inside. Not to the point where we wouldn't eat grapes, or would try to peel our grapes. But yes to the point where if somebody is being gratuitously nice to you and completely optimizing your experience, they could do that by peeling the grape.
5: I'll do that, Maritzel says immediately. I wonder if it can be done with prestidigitation, or does that make it less satisfying?
0: Cheating was still technique last time I checked.
3: Fierce smile. Carissa flags down a security and requests grapes and wine and fancy chocolates. It's for Keltham. Alter Carissa has no authority to request this, but she can ask.
0: Wine? It's a
3: formulation of grapes that is mind-altering. I expect you're going to have a thousand questions and not want any, but I'll have some.
0: I can compress it down to one question, actually. Ioni, is anything ill-advised liable to happen if Carissa has some mind-altering grape juice?
2: not by Project Lawful standards, let's put it that way.
0: If you wish to support this AI reading and others like it, please visit patreon.com slash AI. Any help is appreciated. And thank you to executive producer John Doe, 7776059.